Hi, I'm Paige. And I'm Maddie. And this is Young Enough to Know It All. And today we are talking about celebrity interactions we've had, or close encounters of the celebrity kind. <laughs> Paige, who have you met that's super famous? Well, so I'm from Pennsylvania, so I'm kind of hamstrung by my location <laughs> in terms of meeting famous celebrities. Oh, that's not even true, though. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> the office is in there. Scranton. They just say it's in Scranton. That's in, like, a studio lot in L.A. Well... <laughs> Well, one would imagine that they'd come and visit and do, like, method acting on site in Pennsylvania. I would never go to Scranton. Scranton is the worst place in the world. Is it really? Well, have you seen that? I always wondered, like, who goes to Scranton? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you seen that Saturday Night Live skit? It was, like, in the 2008 elections. It was Joe Biden, and he was like, I know, bad. I grew up in Scranton, the worst place in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Did Joe Biden really grow up in Scranton? Yeah, I think so. Oh my god, wow. Well, then you have a celebrity right in your... I, who knew that Scranton was such a, a hotbed Seriously, of famous, notable <laughs> folks? How close is Scranton to Malvern? Uh, like an hour. Have you ever been there? No. Oh, okay. And you don't want to? No. Okay. I don't think so. So, no. growing up in beautiful Malvern... Yes, Malvern, Pennsylvania, a suburb of Philadelphia... Uh, I will now list all the celebrities I have ever seen in my whole life. Okay, I met Bernie Sanders when I was 15. That is... No, 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 you met him in Springfield, too. Yeah, but I, I didn't meet him, I just saw him. Oh, oh, you met like, him. Like, I shook his hand when I was 15. Wow, and what, what did you... What did he say? I have no idea, and this is, like, before camera phone... Like, the advent of camera phones. So, like, if I did it now, I'd be like, profile picture, Instagram, and I had, like, no proof. It is just the strength of my word, which means nothing. Um, Gordon didn't happen. I don't remember what, I think I, well, he made a speech, um, oh, and I remember, I remember this because I was wearing shoes that had, I was in high school, and I was wearing shoes that had blistered my toe, so oh. I'd taken my shoes off and tucked my feet beneath me, and they gave us a talk later that was like, if your shoes hurt, do not take them off in a Capitol building, and they were talking about me. It was so embarrassing. Okay, anyway, anyway, so I met Freddie Sanders. That's so funny. That's great. That is golden. Thank you. It was not a high point in my life. So I but now you know not to take your shoes off in a Capitol okay, building. Okay, it was, I was like six, no, I was like 15. I have better decorum now. And they really hurt. Um, now I shook Freddie Sanders' hand and I was like, great, great talk. I know you're running for president someday. No, I didn't say that. I just like went up in like a crowd of, of dudes and we were like, oh, wow. Um, and then I saw on the same day, this is probably my better day for celebrities. <laughs> I don't know if politicians count as celebrities, but politicians I Politicians totally count I saw celebrity. Scott Brown, the former GOP like Whoa. senator from Massachusetts walking down the hall and I am not a Republican but I was like OMG Scott Brown <laughs> I just like recognized him and just, it's, it's Scott Brown <laughs> and so then we shook hands and he was probably like wow she she loves Republicans which is not true um and then my other celebrity in I don't think I had Oh, 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 oh. Wait, do you want you tell one of your good celebrities? Wait, no, no, no. I'm I'm curious about who oh, your it was, other it was just celebrity. gonna be Mallory Ortberg. Oh my god. <laughs> tell me everything though. Did she text you? No. But I think I texted the wrong number. I know I did. Because she okay. To all our podcast listeners, um so Mallory Ortberg is my hero and also the writer of The New Dear Prudence. Yeah, the New Slate. Dear Prudence on Slate, which is a great advice column, inspired this advice podcast. Highly recommended. Yeah, and she also writes The Toast, which is a really hilarious humor website. 
and she's 29, so she's young. And she wrote texts from Jane Eyre, which is hilarious. Yeah, she is like the, the greatest woman in the world. Anyway, she tweeted her phone number, and she was like, text her, call me. So I texted her and was like, hey, Valerie, it's patient Twitter. I love you so much. Like, I sent just like this totally pathetic message, which is such a shame, because I should have been like, as one funny, from one funny woman to another funny woman, <laughs> give me some tips. Um... You blew it. <laughs> yeah, I did. I blew it. And then she never texted me back, but she like kept tweeting about how people were calling her and like she was having so much fun and she had but I she like took a picture of her, her screensaver and it was mm-hmm. an iPhone and her the text went through was green. So oh. I definitely sent the wrong number. Oh, you know Mallory Odenberg has an iPhone. I know an what iPhone was I and iMessages on. She would never not have iMessages on. Maybe <gasps> I just need to try and text it again. Well, I was like, you know what? I think this is just like some dude who is who is like, I wish these people would stop texting me to Mallory. <laughs> Pardon me. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so I was like, you know what? I'll just call. I'll just call to find who it is. But at the last minute, I chickened out and hung up because someone picked up the phone. Oh, man. Or it was, what if it was like some automated voice message that was like, you have reached, and then it like said the number. Then I would be no closer. What if it's just a huge creep? What if it reached an automated voice thing and it was like this is Dan Smith (laughs) (laughs) or this is not Mallory Ordenberg yeah please stop calling me I don't know what I I would have done (laughs) but those are all my celebrity encounters but hopefully I will meet more celebrities Um, I can't even think of like any other peripheral oh do you know the band Rusted Root yes (laughs) the drummer went to my high school (laughs) Yeah. Wait, do you know do you know what do you know the movie Step Brothers? Yes. So right over that went to my high school. Oh my god, no way! Your yeah. high school is famous. You know why that is? It's because your high school has such a great theater and like arts program. That's why all these famous <laughs> arts folks have come out of Malvern High. Is that what it is? Uh, great Valley. Great Valley. You were close. You were super close. Um, but I've never met either one of them, so it doesn't really count. Did they ever like, like come to your school and give an inspirational speech? No. <laughs> Drummer for Rusted. I don't even know his name. <laughs> Send me on my way has changed my life. I'm a drummer for Rusted Root, and I'd like to thank like my teacher of AP Calculus. <laughs> <laughs> his speech would be called "Send me on my way." Your path to <laughs> Okay, Maddie. Maddie, what celebrities? What celebrities have you met? Well. I grew up in California, so which this is, is for Maddie, celebrity hotbed, but also Central California, which is not a celebrity <laughs> hotbed. Um, but I, my most unbelievable celebrity encounter was in fifth grade when I was doing Destination Imagination, which is the world's dorkiest. A dorkiest after-school activity, but I loved it dearly. Um, and I was in Aurora Grande, California, and I had won that year. Our team had won, and but who comes to talk to us at the Destination Imagination conference? Zach Efron. Oh my god. Famous alumni of Arroyo Grande High School, which is Whoa. the town adjacent to mine that I went to elementary school in. And this was during peak high school musical time. Like he was he was really hitting the big times then. And apparently he was from Arroyo Grande. 
Also, my cousin and him were best friends. They would like, they lived in the same neighborhood. They'd like hang out at each other's house all the time after high school. Whoa. Yeah. What happened to their best friendship? Oh, it fizzled. <laughs> he got too big. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he shook my hand. He signed my Destination Imagination t-shirt, Whoa. which I promptly lost. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you, like, go on eBay and do, like, Destination Imagination t-shirt, $1,000, signed by Zach Efron. so bitter. You have no idea. That could have been me. Um, <laughs> so that was pretty exciting. <laughs> And, um, and I tell it that story constantly. Um, and then I guess, I don't know if this counts as much because I was at a performance. But here's, you know, all my celebrity encounters have been around something exceptionally dorky. But you know what? I'm going to own this one because it was super fun. I went to Los Angeles for my 16th birthday. My Christmas present, or my present was, um, seeing Gustavo Dudamel, famed conductor, um, he's awesome. He's such a boss. Uh, he's like young and hip and Venezuelan and like he's killing it. He's like bringing classical music to the people. <laughs> um, seeing Gustavo Dudamel and the Los Angeles Philharmonic perform Tchaikovsky's Shakespeare suites, um, which was like <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable. It was so cool. So like that was super exciting. Sitting down in the Walt Disney Concert Hall, we're, we're all very, very excited to see this beautiful performance conducted by this amazing conductor. And who, who is right behind me reciting lines from Romeo and Juliet before they play the Romeo and Juliet Tchaikovsky? Who? Orlando Bloom! Oh my it was, gosh! It was like unbelievable. <laughs> Nobody knew that there would be celebrity encounters there. And then everyone, every like piece that they played, they did a little like line or two from the play with a different celebrity. I can't oh. remember who the other people were. My mom was <laughs> in pieces. Um, but Orlando Bloom was pretty cool and he was right behind me, close enough to touch. So did so, you? I thought they were going to be like reached out and like stroked his face. They're probably used to it though. Yeah. You You gotta go with me. (laughs) I paid good money for this. (laughs) So those have been my celebrity encounters. Paige, if there was any celebrity you'd like to meet, who would it be? Who would be your like ideal celebrity encounter? That's a really good question. Well, actually, it's a good thing that I don't have Mallory Ortberg's phone number because what if we became friends and she was like, here's my number, and I had to be like, oh, I already have it, and she would just know I was a Twitter fan, not really a true friend. So it all worked out. No, Um, no, no. Twitter fans can be true friends. (laughs) Okay, you're right. We would totally be true friends with all of our Twitter fans. Oh, yeah, speaking of. Shameless plug. (laughs) Be our Twitter fan and friend on at uh, yetkia, Y-E-T. K-I-A stands for young enough to know it all on the Twitter. Um, yeah, I went and logged on last night. Why are you following Daniel Tosh? I don't know. I, I unfollowed him for you. I don't think he's funny at all. I don't think he's funny either. I think okay, he's cool. Gross. Yeah, all right. Oh. Few, few, few. I need to have a quick check-in no, on it. No, no, it's fine. You know how Twitter automatically follows people for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, so we're following Lynn manuel Yeah, I, I didn't yes. unfollow him. Yes. I, I oh, knew it was a thing. We have to tweet at him regularly. Thank so. you. Oh, we will. We can and we will. I need to call you out on the podcast. Oh, I guess no, I did no. it. You were like, I'm a huge Daniel Tosh fan. <laughs> 
We're going to have to go our separate ways. This is like going to work out. Yeah. But I did watch his show for a while, and I like made my parents watch it when we were like soft. When I was like a sophomore in high school, I was like, guys, he's so edgy. Oh, we were so young then. So young, so naive. <laughs> But anybody else that you'd like to meet other than Mallory? Oh, uh, yeah, I think I, um, that's really hard. Who would you, th- who, do you, who do you think, well, I think, who would you think that you would like to meet? I would like to meet Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, of obviously. course, <laughs> obviously. But I guess I'd also, hmm, I don't know, I'd, I guess I'd like to meet an artist of some sort. Like, I'd like to meet Cindy Sherman, although she Oh, might, that's so cool. Right? She might be kind of a weirdo, though, in real life. Like, I'd be a little... Because <laughs> <laughs> she does all those, like, different pictures of her yeah. face. Yeah, and she she might be, like, too edgy for me. <laughs> like, I don't know if we'd get along well. Um, I'd like to meet J.K. Rowling. She oh, seems like... Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I agree, I agree, I agree. She seems like a bro. Like, I would love to hang out with her. <laughs> J.K. Rowling is awesome. Okay, I'm, I'm going with either J.K. Rowling. Um, oh, or the Dalai Lama, which I oh. could have met... If he hadn't canceled his trip to the United States. Well, I don't think I would have met him, but we would have been, like, breathing the same air. Oh, or Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Why Bruce Springsteen? My residents went to a... Well, my old residents went to a Bruce Springsteen concert last week. And it's just, like, what also my aunt and uncle did, just did, and it, like, revitalized my love of Bruce Springsteen. I've been listening to him, like, incessantly. <laughs> Talk about holding up. Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, seriously. Up. He better go on one more tour so we can... Oh. We could go together and we could live podcast oh, it. Oh, I would die. We could also live tweet it. Yeah, we could live tweet that it. Would be wow. Fine. You're ready for all this great content, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, you know who else I'd like to meet? John Travolta. Seriously? He's yes. so weird. I think he's so greasy, but he would have the most interesting uh, stories, don't you think? Maybe John Travolta in like his prime no, in like no, Greece, no. but not John Travolta now no. I wouldn't want to meet. He's so he's so He's still like Scientologist. He is, and that's kind of why I want to talk to him and be like, hmm, how was a uh, hairspray? How did that compare to Saturday Night Fever? And like, <laughs> okay, true, true. I hadn't thought of it that way. Those are all really, really Sometimes, good questions. Like the greasiest people are the most interesting. <laughs> Let that be a lesson. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll leave it on that and move on, on to that high advice. Note. Yeah. <laughs> See you in advice after you finished our oatmeal. After the break. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this week on Young Enough to Know It All, we have three advice questions. One is about winter, um, one is about organization, and one is about being sad and jealous, which is, I guess, a common theme in both <laughs> of our episodes. <laughs> okay, um, so Maddie, take it away. I recently auditioned for my school's choir. As I walked into the audition, I felt confident and held my head high. I was sure that I would make it, but I didn't. Now I can't seem to get over it, and on top of it, I feel jealous of the kids who got in. How can I feel good about my talents and myself again? From Sad in Amherst, Mass. That's a, that's a really great question, Sad in Amherst, Mass, and something that I, too, experienced. Um, personal interlude. I tried out... <laughs> So I'm a junior in college, and my sophomore year, I tried out for an, or not an acapella group, why did I just say that? <laughs> choir, because that's what everybody <laughs> yeah, tries out Yeah, always like, got an acapella, I'm just, acapella, okay, I'm just going to say it on the podcast, I don't care if people come after me, is so 
dumb. I think it's dumb too. You know what? That's why they parody it on the office yeah. all the time because people who do uh, no, not people who do acapella. That's mean. Acapella is acapella is dumb. You're right. Controversial opinion. I don't think it's controversial. I think everyone. It just like ceases to be relevant after college. Like my little sister's always listening to Pentatonix. So like is she bum, really? Really on this Um. Where they listen to like actual like play an actual band. Okay, wait. This person is probably still gonna work. No, no, no. Oh, but they're right, in, they're right. in choir. They're on an acapella. Um, play an actual band instead of like being like making mouth noises. <laughs> doing a white person dance. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's what all acapella sounds like to me. Have you ever been to an acapella show? Um, actually, well, so my my senior year of high school, we had an acapella group. Oh boy. <laughs> it was like a disaster. It was like all girls with like this one dude who could like make his voice closer and it was like bum bum. <laughs> what was the That's name of it? What was the name of your acapella group? It was called like I was in it. I was in the acapella group. What I hate it? it, but I came from acapella. It was called like Great Valley Acapella or something. We sang Not like the Acapellas or like No, I wish. It was probably called like Tone Dabbles or something. <laughs> they always have silly names too. I think that's part of the reason why I don't like it. You're not that it's not that clever. <laughs> Anyways, um, no, I don't remember what it's called, but we sang the Charlie. Well, I only did it for one semester because I realized the error of my ways. Um, <laughs> and we sang the Charlie Brown Christmas. Oh boy! Song, which is like all mouth noises. Anyway, so we had to like, it was really bad. I'm just like thinking about it. I can't stop thinking about it. Oh my god, it's like all coming back. To <laughs> we had a horrible wedding. <laughs> Maddie came next to me and I just like blanched. <laughs> Um, no, we all had to do this dance, and my little sister was like, you kept messing up the dance, which means oh! I messed up in front of, like, 500 people. No, it's okay. I'm not going to think about it anymore. Okay. You didn't have, like, the triple threat of, like, dancing, singing, acting? I you know what I can't dance, I can't sing, and I can't act. So I, like, whatever the opposite of a triple threat is. <laughs> a zero threat. <laughs> a nothing. Oh, Paige, you say that. You're everything to me. Oh, thank you. You're so and we have the same feelings about acapella, so that, that's priceless. Seriously, this is, that's, okay, anyway, sorry, sad in Amherst, Massachusetts. What I was trying to say before I just, like, raged about acapella for two minutes was I tried out for um, an improv group, and I didn't make it, which made sense because I'd also never done improv before, but I was like, you know, like, when you walk in and you're like, I, like, you sign through whatever, you're like, yeah, I got this. <laughs> But I didn't make it, and then it was really awkward, and I would always see the people in the dining hall that I ate at, and I know I would look at them sadly. Like, oh. <laughs> they probably like, this girl's, she wasn't good at improv, and she's not good at taking it well either. <laughs> so, but anyway, so then I tried out for another group um, in the, in like a week ago, and I got a call back, and so I was like, ha, yes, like a year later, this made me feel better, and great that I try again, even if I don't get in. Um, I still feel awesome that I tried. So and that's one step closer than yeah, you were last time. Yeah, I was one step closer than I was last time. Um, and I was, like, so psyched. Um, so I think that's what I, what I would say is give yourself space to feel sad about it. Because when I didn't get in, I was like, well, whatever. I wasn't going to anyway. And then I was, like, mad. But I felt really sad inside. Or, like, I, didn't, I wasn't mad. I, I felt like I was like, oh, I'm not surprised, so I'm just not going to think about it. But I think, like, be okay with being in the sadness for a little bit. Um, but then try to, like, go to the shows again and like start being like oh yeah this is good like 
this is fun and it's fun to watch them. And now when I watch them every time, I don't think about my failure. Um, and then I think when you're at that point, <laughs> okay, okay. I think when you're at that point, then try trying out for something else again. Cause I think like after I tried out for something else again, I felt way better and I felt really proud of myself like for trying again. So my advice is feel bad for a while and then go, go see the choir or go see, well, I can't imagine why you would try out for acapella, but go see the acapella group or go see the improv group and then try for something again. I think that is great advice. Get right back up on that horse and like know, know that just because you did not make the cut this time around doesn't mean you don't have any chances going forward. You still have right. chances. You are still worthy as a singer. <laughs> exactly. And like, can you trying? You don't know what they're looking for. Like, you could have tried out and they were like, oh, we only want men who can sing really, really deeply. Um, and maybe I was, maybe, I don't want to assume your gender. Um, maybe they only wanted women who could sing really, really high notes. Either way. Um, maybe, maybe they th- wanted a specialty in Disney the Disney canon, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But don't feel like just because it wasn't your time doesn't mean it won't always be your time. Like Matt. That said. is solid. That is solid. Great wow. advice from us. Great advice, team. All right, let's move on to the next one. I think we killed it. We did kill it. All right. Um, cold in Connecticut writes I'm not the biggest fan of winter, mainly because I feel cold almost all the time and my skin is always dry. I want to be happier this winter. Does anyone have some winter care tips that will warm me up and make me feel better? Great question. Very appropriate for the winter <laughs> yeah. season oh my that gosh. we are currently suffering through. It and was negative two degrees yesterday. Oh, God bless Paige for walking over here <laughs> in that. Thank you. She it was su- nine degrees today. She suffers for her art. <laughs> um, Paige, what's your go-to winter care tip? Like, what do you what do you make sure you do every winter? Um. Okay, that's a good question. I think I... Either emotionally or physically. Yeah, I think it's going to be physically and emotionally. Well, I know I feel really sad in the winter because it's like, you don't want to go outside. You're not exercising. Not that I ever really exercise, but (laughs) like you're not walking around as much. Mm -hmm. Um, So I always make sure (laughs) I have food in my room in case I don't want to go to the dining hall. Um, I make sure I spend a lot of time with my friends because I think it's like very easy to like not go outside again until like April and just be alone and watching Netflix in your room. I sh- don't do this, but I should put lotion on my hands because that's probably like. Do you yeah, get like ashy with no, your hands? No, I, I never, I've never moisturized my hands Ooh, ever. You do have, dear listener, <laughs> Paige has smooth hands. <laughs> so nice. Thank no you. No wonder you're such a great hand holder. Um, um, why do you say you should put lotion on your hands? Well, she says her skin is always dry. Oh yeah. Oh, I've heard good stuff about like, um, that really like. What do you lotion? Do you oh. use lotion? Talk oh, about do it. I ever <laughs> lotion? Every I've got my every winter, or well, every winter I've been here. This has been a learning curve for me. This is my third official winter, and the first one around was exceptionally rough, and it has just been getting like better and better and better for me each preceding winter. Um, so yes, Aveeno, just plain old Aveeno lotion all the time constantly I'm, I'm constantly slick with <laughs> in a sensual way in though in the best way in a sensual <laughs> way yes exactly um because and you know what else i think is nice is it's like Paige said it's easy to get into that slump of like sitting in your bedroom and being like sad and seasonal affective disorder and 
so on and so forth. But it helps me to be like, wow, if I do this all the time, what is this? What is the effect going to be come spring when I have to pull out my skirts and shorts? <laughs> Poor is what it's going to be. <laughs> so I think winter is a great time to give yourself a project to work on, like a quilt, or you want to knit a blanket, or you want to be able to do a handstand or something. Something that you can do inside that 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 you can continually work on that will make you feel really good about yourself and your talents on an emotional level. Yeah, that's a really great tip, Maddie. Thank you. And also, for the person, since they wrote that they always feel cold, I wear long underwear under my clothes for the entire winter, and I recommend that you do too. I oh. have some on right now, and it's great. Smart wool socks. Oh, yes. Smart wool socks. Wow, we have all these product placements. We should really be sponsored. <laughs> no. Um... <laughs> but seriously, Adino, both smart wool, yeah. <laughs> all long underwear prepares, get at us, seriously. Um, but also coconut oil, too. I use coconut oil for everything. On my sunburns in summertime, on my dry elbows in winter. I, you know what, and it seems really, really trendy to be shilling coconut oil, but like, I'm I'm into it. I'm very into it. Highly recommend it. And if you don't use it all on your dry elbows, you can saute your vegetables in it too. Oh. It's fine. It's it's the all-purpose meal. So, or the all-purpose beauty and the life tool. <laughs> so it's well worth the investment. That's a good tip. Okay, so today on Young Enough to Know It All, we're interviewing my and Maddie's too, a close personal friend, Alex, and also my future roommate about when he went to Burning Man when he was 10, 11, and 12. And I was shocked when I heard this story. Well, I haven't heard the story yet, but I was shocked when I heard the ages. So I think this will be a great interview. Hey, Alex. Thanks for coming into the studio today. Hey, Paige. Glad to be here. We really appreciate your presence, and we're very excited to talk to you about Burning Man. Cool. The first. Share some stuff. <laughs> How was your weekend? Um. Well, I had a good weekend. Thanks for asking. Um. What was the highlight? What was the highlight? I had some really good tea on Saturday night. Ooh. Um. And I ended up. Um. I ended up getting dick faced actually. <laughs> were your shoes on or were they off? No, my shoes were off. So I'm not sure how to feel about that because the way that I've heard it is that um. If your shoes are on, you know, you're, it's your fair game, but when your shoes are off, that means that you put some, put some effort into thinking about where you'd be sleeping that night. Well, so, did you think you were going to be sleeping at the apartment that you got dick-faced at? Actually, I did not. So I think... So you were fair game after all. <laughs> <laughs> we only ask the hard thing questions here that you have enough to know it all. Yeah, I can't dodge that one. Fair so stop. <laughs> so Alex, yes, Paige. Though you are my close personal friend, today we brought you in to the studio to be interviewed about a defining experience in your life. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So in 2003, 2004, and 2005, I went to Burning Man with my family. So. I would have been 10, 11, and 12, respectively, for those years. So I don't know exactly what you want to know about this, but my family went just because 
Uh, my dad ran a theme camp at Burning Man. That's so cool! What was the theme? So, I think it was like more like a three-part theme. Uh, so the first part was Eternal Mysteries. Um, the second part was Massage and Healing. And the third part um, was a Big Top Circus. That's Whoa. so cool! Is your dad an artist by trade? Or is this like a hobby? He is is this business or pleasure? Pleasure, definitely. I mean, he didn't get any like monetary gain out of it, mm -hmm. which is sort of in the spirit of Burning Man. It definitely is. When you, so what would be like an eternal mystery? Like, can you give an example of something you'd be like, that's an eternal mystery? Sure. <laughs> um, why is love so magical, even though we, to a great extent, understand like the chemical pathways that create it in our brains? Wow. Is that one of the one of the things you talked about there? Yeah. Did he do the same theme camp every three years? So or did, did they switch it up? It so he always did the massage theme camp and um, he combined forces and did logistics to help set up uh, Cirque Berserk, which is the big top circus. Cool. That's a good name. Very cool. Yeah. Were you in the Big Top Circus? I, like as a performer? Yeah, like as a performer. No, I was not. <laughs> what do you remember like most vividly about Burning Man? Because you were you were a child, like you you definitely weren't part of the logistics, or were you? I mean, or were were you just like running around the desert all day? I think the thing I probably remember most or that affected me most was the desert itself. The, the fact that you were on this playa in the middle of nowhere, and the, the playa itself really was like assertive, like the environment was very assertive, got in your face. There was a lot of dust all the time. Um, Did you have to wear like a face a covering thing. to keep dust from getting in your nose? One of the reasons um, I don't want to go to Burning Man is because you get dust in your nether regions. <laughs> How are you supposed to get that out? Anyway. Uh, take a shower. <laughs> Oh, well, but it's oh, I guess you can't at nuts and crevices. Yeah, and you can't at Burning Man. There's no showers. That's actually not true. Really? Is that so, a myth? Myth busting <laughs> about Burning Man. All right, anyways, continue. I'm so sorry. So when you have a larger theme camp, um, uh, you can... Uh, let me back up a bit. So theme camps uh, provide different sorts of amenities to Burning Man attendees than simply buying a ticket and camping on your own. Now, there are both possibilities, but um, when you pay a theme camp money, um, and this is, you know, it's true to varying degrees for different theme camps, right? When you pay a theme camp money, um, what will happen is they'll, like, uh, feed you, possibly provide you a shelter, uh, and possibly provide a shower. And uh, it's, it's pretty Spartan still. I mean, it's, you just get a, a bladder of water and there's like a raised platform uh, with a collection space underneath for um, gray water. And you just sort of squeeze water out over your head. I don't know how effective that would be at cleaning your other regions, honestly. <laughs> Maybe you could, well, I, I don't know why I was supposed to say hand sanitizer. That would actually be the worst thing in the world. That would be the worst. I, I also think that's against the spirit of burning hands. <laughs> <laughs> Were there other kids like, to hang out with? Did you like form bonds with yeah, other like a children? Yeah, like a little a little kid Man? troop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, there were other kids at Burning Man. You'd you'd see them occasionally, and my sister was there, but I never I never became friends with any other kids at Burning Man. 
I guess it was more about experiencing the, the art and the festival in the desert. But to, to go back to the question you asked me earlier about um, the desert itself, uh, it was crazy. So um, in, when you're at Burning Man, you're on top of an alkali in a playa, which is this, this dry lake bed. <clears throat> it's completely flat for miles and miles in every direction. And there's this crust of dried out mud that forms on the surface. Um, every year, Burning Man comes along and cakes that down. So the, the playa becomes flat and extremely dusty. And you'll sometimes get these dust storms that sweep across the entire playa, a la Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> and it's pretty crazy. People, you know, you're, you're out on your bike and you need to find shelter like really fast. Otherwise, oh boy, you're going to get dusty. <laughs> Especially if you are taking advantage of the the nudist-friendly environment that Burning Man provides. Wow. To go back to your to the point you just made about, I, I don't really know that much about Burning Man. Like, how many people are there and how many people, are they just naked all the time? I'm looking at both of you, oh, Burning Man uh, experts. There is a, thousands, literally thousands of people just, like, mobbing this desert. Would you agree, Alex? Yeah. Yeah. It, absolutely. It's, it's. I mean, the whole the whole spirit of Burning Man is that thousands upon thousands of people come together and form a community for a week, like a living, breathing city, of of a sort. Um, and like half of them are in some state of undress. Would you agree? <laughs> oh, did you feel like a lot of naked adults as a kid? I can just imagine that being really scarring. Oh, I don't. Oh, think not that's at all. Scarring. Not at all. Well, my, my parents never, like, taught me that bodies were weird or shameful. No, I mean, I grew so up I mean, in a house where my parents were naked till I was, like, seven years old, but I don't think I would go willingly pick to go see, like, a bunch of naked adults. Um, yeah, I, can, I don't know really how to answer that. Not, no, okay. <laughs> we can out. Not that I think you were like, ha, yes, naked grown up. <laughs> Thank God. So... I mean, I... <laughs> well, I do have a good story about that. Yes, tell it, tell it. So, <laughs> um, I I went for, like, a pretty interesting three consecutive years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so with regards to the nudity of Burning Man, um, it's pervasive, it's everywhere. As you said, Maddie, pretty much everyone that comes to Burning Man at some point in the festival... Is just gonna be in some state of undress, and and that's that's the point, you know, is that there's there there's a sense of freedom, and you you can be a nudist if you so choose. You can be anything you want. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, exactly. Except a capitalist. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can be that in everyday society, and nobody bats an eye. So. Yeah. The other fifty-one weeks of the year. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, but so with regards to the uh, the nudity, I, I went for like a, a sort of like an interesting um, cross section of my life where, um, so when I was ten, I remember um, there's this event called the Topless Bike Parade, where um, if you are a woman and you brought a bike to the playa. Uh, you're invited to ride all the way around the Esplanade, 
which is sort of the main drag of the main street in Burning Man. So you're invited to ride all the way around the Esplanade um, with no top. Um, so it's just thousands upon thousands of breasts just riding past you. Um, and when I was 10, this was... See, I remember I went to go see it with my mom and my sister, and I really could not have been more bored out of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was. It was just the same thing for like an hour. And I was. I just remember thinking I could be going and exploring the the Bristol Pie right now. I could be going and seeing like weird art, you know. Um, when I when I was twelve and I went to Burning Man, uh, something changed. <laughs> and. I I think I sort of started to see why why the topless parade could be interesting. <laughs> you appreciated it a bit more. I think I appreciated it a bit more, yeah. Um, for aesthetic value. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe it was just there that year. <laughs> Did you get to have a lot of like unsupervised children time when you went to Burning Man? Like where your parents just like go do whatever you want? No. Not oh, at okay. All. And that's because, that's frankly because there are a lot of drugs at Burning Man. Mm -hmm. And my parents didn't want to, like, coddle me mm -hmm. and give me the impression that no one did drugs. Uh, but they didn't want me doing, uh, like, ecstasy or, well. How do you feel about Dr. Dre started Burning Man? Started, yeah, how do you feel about that? Have you have like you heard the assertion? Anything? Yes. Yeah. Thoughts. Have you heard of Dr. Dre's connection to Burning Man? No, I have not. Okay. In 1996, so it was free before um, before 1996, right? Mm -hmm. And then on that fateful year, uh, Dr. Dre filmed his seminal music video, California Love. Oh, remember we said we weren't going to say seminal Man. anymore. Oh, damn it. Um, <laughs> Maybe his the the pinnacle of his music <laughs> career. Um, <laughs> um, the pinnacle. Oh, stop. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> that was funny though. Um, California Love at Burning Man, and it is said that he looked at this and thought, "I can monetize this event," and that is after that year, it, they started selling tickets. Thoughts. So I had always heard that Larry Harvey started Burning Man. The free part or the ticket-taking part? The free part, but I mean, that's, that's sort of like saying um, Peter Thiel started Facebook because he was like an early angel investor. Yeah. I think Mark Zuckerberg started Facebook. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, well, there you go. No, no. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's that's cool. That's legit. Would you go to Burning Man again now as an adult? Um, do you have any desire to go back? Yeah, I do. I definitely want to see what it's like now, uh, both because I've changed and and Burning Man has changed. What what I do hear about it is that it the ways in which it's changed, it's um it's moved more towards a rave scene. You're like away from its artistic roots, I guess you could say, or its um, 
the the ideological tenets with, with which it started. Like it's it's more about uh, partying now, mm-hmm. if that can be an ideological tenet. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Partying can be an ideological <laughs> tenet, I guess. But like, I mean, we're, it's we're definitely. In college, we get to, Get to make the call now. Yeah. <laughs> have your parents gone back? Like, to have they? So once you turn twelve, like your whole family stopped going. Um. So my dad did it for a couple of years after that. Mm-hmm. Um. I I stopped being able to go just because I entered middle school. Mm-hmm. And I so. I obviously missed the first week of school oh. in elementary school mm-hmm. to go to Burning Man, and my parents were okay with that because because mm-hmm. um, you don't learn anything in elementary school. Well, also they, no one looks at your elementary school GPA when they're deciding you to, like, <laughs> you know, you're gonna, gonna enter college or not. No one looks at your middle school GPA though. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I didn't even have a GPA in middle school. Did I? I don't know if I did or not. Yeah, I think I was just like they didn't even give us grades. They were just like four, three, two, one. <laughs> And well, that my my high school was like, and middle school too was like, super euphemistic. Like they wouldn't call. So I was always in basic math, and they wouldn't call it basic math, which is what it was. Um, oh, this is a this is totally a tangent. Group. No, it was. I love tangents. It was a group you was like tangents tan- in basic math. <laughs> I wish <laughs> it was called a group, um, which was for standard math, and then it was called, like, AA group, which was for <laughs> basic math, um, and then, like, so, okay, I don't really want to say my SAT score on the podcast, No, but you can say it, I'll say, mine was, my low. math section was really low, I got a 420. I did too! Wait, seriously? Uh, yes! That's mine really low, though. I know, I was so embarrassed. Um, my SAT score, okay, so, my sister's was 2200, Why? mine was 1660. Oh no, don't, no one thinks about was, it now. I know, I know. I know the either. older siblings. Alice is an <laughs> eldest child too. <laughs> but anyway, back to my earlier point is I had to take like special math for people who like did so poorly on their SATs they were like a little worried about you. Um, and so everyone else was in like, all my other friends were like, who are nerds or were in like AP Calc and like AP wow. stats. And Middle then, school friends on blast. No, no, it was like high school friends, and yes, they are on blast. Um, <laughs> no, just kidding, I love them all. Um, but, so then I had to take this math that was like, literally, like we did like, advanced addition and subtraction, like this was, not, and they called it uh, college preparatory math, which was like, this is the only, it's the worst math. They just called it bad math. <laughs> okay, besides the point, Alex, go back to your burning math story. <laughs> Alex, what math groups were you in? I was probably in the best math group. Or a middle schooler. You probably were in the best math group. What what do they call it, though? AA triple star. I I don't know what math I was in as a a middle schooler. A math that was good enough that you couldn't go to Burning Man anymore. Yeah, I couldn't, did you couldn't did you feel that. like bummed out that you weren't going again, or were you like, oh, thank God, I get to go to the first week of school? I think I would have rather been at Burning Man. <laughs> now, if you put it that way, if you if you said you can either skip the first week of school or just go to school, <laughs> <laughs> the choice is clear. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Would you, if you went back today, would you be running a theme camp? Or would you be there just as a 
raver extraordinaire? <laughs> I think neither. Um, I don't think I would. I would rave. Um, and running a theme camp is just a ridiculous amount of work. Yeah. I don't think I could do that. Um, you did say you had good organizational skills earlier, though. Maddie's going to bully you into opening a theme camp at Burning um, Man. <laughs> I just feel like you do a great job at it. That, that is appreciated. Um, yeah, maybe when I have a little less on my plate, I'll start to think about that. Is there any other festival or artist community that you would like to see in your lifetime or that you'd like to go to or be a part of? Yeah, absolutely. So Burning Man spawned a lot of satellite burns. Um, Is that really that's what it's called? called? Yeah. That sounds burn. like they all are like voting for Bernie Sanders or something. What does that sound like? Honestly, they probably are. <laughs> like, there's a lot of overlap in that group. <laughs> but um, um, yeah. So so satellite burns. So. So Burning Man is sort of considered to be this this national event. It really pulls in people from all over the country. After my dad stopped doing uh, Burning Man proper, he still was interested in doing um, uh, satellite burns. So I grew up in Utah. So he was also really involved in uh, Utah Burn, which was called Synergy for a while, and then Element 11 after that. Um, I actually don't know if it's still going on, but... Are you attracted to the smaller, more insular... The intimate burning man? The intimate nature of these satellite burns? Rather than the massive party that Burning Man in Nevada has now become? It was definitely more intimate, and especially because um, my dad knew a lot of uh, members... Um, of the Utah Burn community, like the founding members, um, that was that was really cool. Um, just like I could I could walk around and, and everyone knew who I was. Oh, that's lovely! Oh, that's wonderful. That is really nice. That is wonderful. Um, yeah, yeah, I had a good time. Um, plus, so my dad was okay. So you know the the main um, uh, kind of shtick of Burning Man. The main attraction is that they burn this giant wooden effigy at the end, right? Mm-hmm. So that's so it's like a very central part of these satellite burns too. So every every year, my dad would um, like build a giant wooden thing and uh, then set it on fire. So wow, I, I loved helping with that. I loved helping him with the, the preparation for that. What is your dad's day job? He is an electrical engineer. That's awesome. What a what a what a great juxtaposition of like creativity and um, science and math. Well, I guess I guess they can be the same thing, but that's another conversation. <laughs> I think that you know the combination of them is better than either. So <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Left brain, right brain working but, together in tandem. So um, let's see. My dad made a giant wooden rabbit, a la Alice in Wonderland, one year for Utah Burn. Uh, spat on fire, um, and then the next year, he uh, things a little bigger, and he made like a huge gingerbread man. Whoa! Uh, burn that too. That's so cool. If you so, could make anything and set it on fire, what would it be? What would it be in the formation of? 
Can I think about that and get back to you? Yes, sure. <laughs> Paige, what would it be for you? I don't want to answer. I have no idea, but I didn't even put together until you started talking about, I really should have done more research with this interview, uh, that Burning Man meant you like burned an actual yeah, thing. It's like, it's like at the end of the week and like everybody gets together and it's it's massive. It's like stories tall. Wow. Yeah? Right? Yeah. Confirm or deny? <laughs> I can confirm. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, so I think we're going to ask, the last interview question now. Maddie, take it away. Alex, what would you do with your winnings if you had won the Powerball? So, I think what I would do is take the 30-year annuity uh, instead of the upfront winnings, which, according to the New York Times, is around $930 million, uh, before taxes, if you were to take it all in one lump sum, whereas it's around uh, $1.5 billion total over the 30-year annuity, before taxes, mm-hmm. then. So, you know, I'd, I'd probably do that. Um, what, and if you want to ask me, like, what, what would I actually do with the money? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I'd probably start a company. What's for a company? Well, um, probably like something that would, like, uh, align with my ideologies. And, you know, I'm still figuring those out. But, you know, I want to help people. Um, and the planet. People on the planet are kind of at odds right now. Have you noticed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's sometimes hard to hard to help both. So something that would bring those two together. Would you do any? Or tear them apart. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And what we started. Um, what would you do for funsies with with the leftover funds? Leftover funds. Yeah. That was very good. That was good. Um, um, I've always wanted to get into caving. Oh, that's so cool. So, I don't know, I think that I would probably, like, take caving lessons. This is, like, I don't know, I feel like, you know, there's, like, the, I I could be, like, um, very, uh, altruistic, but I also spend some of it on myself. Oh, of course, of course. So, yeah. That's the fun of the question. (laughs) Yeah, that's, yeah, not that, yeah, I I gave you the lame answer before, so I No, no, I love it, I love it, (laughs) I like it all. So I would go caving. That's Um, very cool. And it's, like, pretty equipment intensive, as I understand. You need a lot of rope. (laughs) (laughs) Billions of dollars. (laughs) (laughs) Probably, I probably would not spend my entire, um, Powerball winnings on rope. That's, I think that's a good uh, business decision. Maybe we have it. We'll see. Well, Alex, thank you so much for coming into the studio and talking with us today. It was very enlightening. Yeah. yeah thank you. It was a pleasure to be here today. I learned so much more than I thought it was going to. <laughs> <laughs>